Hello and welcome to From the Center, the podcast for the Center for Western Studies. I'm John Hodges, the director of the Center, and uh, I am here alone today to give you a special Center for Western Studies podcast um, on the subject of drawing the line, drawing the line about morals. G.K. Chesterton said famously, art is like morals. You have to draw the line somewhere. Could it be that we're just prone as human beings to draw our own lines? That's what we like to do. For example, we draw lines between white cops and black people, for example, and then we take up our sides. It seems to some that Black people are being given unfair treatment by the police, so unfair that they think it's even just to attack any policeman in retribution. On the other hand, others think that it's wrong to paint all cops as racist and as a result may overlook the facts in some cases where white cops really have been racist in order to keep from doing wrong to the majority of the good policemen everywhere. In the first case, the cops are called racists. In the second, the defenders of the blacks are called race baiters. Black lives matter, we say. Blue lives matter. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? And Satan laughs. We hear people propose that economic differences are the cause of all our problems. If only the rich could stop being so greedy, then we could all get along. Rich are evil, poor are good. In response, others tell stories of how some rich help the poor. You shouldn't make such sweeping judgments about the rich. Some are good, some are bad. The poor are simply unwilling to work and should get a job. The rich are oppressing the poor. Well, if the poor would just get off their duffs, oh yeah, oh yeah! And Satan laughs. It all really has to do with men, you know. Some would say that men have always used their positions of power to put women down. Men are pigs. And all sex, even within marriage, is rape. And women should stand up against men. But some others, often women, see good men sacrificing themselves, providing for their families, and in response, argue that there are some men who are good. So you feminists are just shrews that need to be silenced. Patriarchy is always oppressive. A woman's place is in the home. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? And Satan laughs. Heterosexuals have it in for homosexuals. Gays can't change what they are. It's unthinkable that they should not be afforded the same rights as heterosexuals. In fact, this is the new civil rights issue. Folks should be able to marry who they like, and anyone who stands in the way is evil. But others see the benefits to society of heterosexual homes and marriages and respond that homosexuals are just perverts that should be shunned from polite society. Homophobes, perverts, oh yeah, oh yeah. And Satan laughs. And so it is gone. North versus South. East versus West. Conservatives versus progressives. Democrats versus Republicans. Nation against nation. Boomers against millennials. Race against race. Gender against gender. Rich against poor. First world versus third world. TV actors against film actors. We draw lines and then we take sides. It's what we do. And when we draw lines, 
we state, or at least imply, that they are evil and we are good. All the more potently when we say, I used to be one of them, but now I've joined with those who are oppressed by them. Whenever you hear someone drawing a line, the argument against them is so compelling that you are tempted to join in the struggle for justice. But if you think about it for a minute, the division is not always as clear as it might be wished. Not all whites are oppressors. Not all blacks are militants and violent. It was a black man, after all, who wrote up from slavery. It was a white man who ended slavery in England. We begin to see that not all people in a group are evil. Not even that group. Yes, that one, you know the one. Okay, maybe only 80% of white people are evil and 20% good. Or maybe only 40% of black people are evil and 60% are good. That means we should side with the blacks, right? Since they are more likely to be good? Perhaps. If those numbers are correct, how would we know? What standard of good do we hold? If we turn to ourselves to know the good, the standards will always be shifting. Perhaps those Christians had it right that the standard has to be set by one far higher than ourselves. Okay, we can follow the golden rule and do for others as we would be done by. But if we take that as the standard, who can achieve it? I don't treat anyone, not even my neighbors, as well as I treat myself. So maybe the numbers will end up looking like 99% of whites are evil and 99% of blacks are evil. What do we do then? Well, if we look deeper into the words of God who gave us the golden rule, we find him saying, you know it's wrong to murder, but if you hate someone in your heart, you're guilty of murder just the same. Well, now what do we do? Who can stand under that sort of definition of good? Now it's 100% of whites and 100% of blacks are evil. Who should I side with now? If this is true, then it applies to both sides in every other case, too. The North no less evil than the South. The East no less evil than the West. The woman no less evil than the man. The poor no less evil than the rich. The rapist no less evil than Mother Teresa. Wait, what? Is that what the Bible is teaching? That there's no standard? That we're all just evil? If our definition of evil is correct, then yes, that's what the Bible teaches. Mother Teresa would be the first to say that she has no righteousness in her. But if Mother Teresa is not righteous, then what hope have the rest of us got? Exactly. That's the point. If we are willing to submit ourselves to the right definition of the good, then we are ready to hear the truth. When Jesus was hailed as good master, he replied, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. The man had no high or great intentions in his use of the word good. He was just saying, hello, good master. But Jesus was unwilling to allow that word to be used except in its truest form, a reference to moral perfection that only God can reach. Ironically, the man addressed the only one to whom the word could rightly be used, and Jesus' response could be said to be asking, Are you calling me God? Could it be that our problems are not due to one group of evil people oppressing or condemning another? If not that, then what? Could it be that the real line to be drawn should fall between those who draw lines and those who don't? 
<laughs> if we were to draw that line, then we'd be guilty of the very sin we're condemning. Is that all we have? That we who judge are guilty of the very judgments we foist on others? Hypocrisy is inevitable. We are actually warned of that in the Bible, too. So what do we do? Stand and watch as evil runs rampant? Isn't it evil to do nothing in the face of evil? Everyone agrees that oppression, rape, greed, shiftlessness, and even shrewishness are to be opposed because they're wrong, they're evil. But why? Is it because we feel in our hearts that these things are bad things? But our hearts are often swayed by the latest definitions of evil. It used to be that divorce was so evil that our culture shunned those who were divorced. Even within the last eight years, those on the political left were opponents of same-sex marriage. Times and hearts change. It's partly because of these speedy changes that many argue for a fluid definition of any and all moral law. But if same-sex marriage, for example, can change so quickly, was it ever really wrong? Maybe there's really no transcendent moral order and we make it up as we go along as a culture. The reason we want to draw lines and call others evil is so that we can call ourselves good without reference to the complete standard that we know would condemn us all if fully applied. Let me say that again. The reason we want to draw lines and call others evil is so that we can call ourselves good in some way without reference to the complete standard that we know would condemn us all if it was fully applied. We reject God's standards of the good and establish our own, usually made up of pieces of that very law that we rejected, pieces that condemn our enemies and not ourselves. We do so, though, in order that we can feel good about ourselves. It's part of our sin nature. We want to be self-righteous. One could argue that I'm writing this essay for the very same purpose, to feel superior and thus good about myself. Am I condemning by drawing my own lines and falling into the very error in judgment that I claim to oppose? The essence of our problem is not that we draw lines here or there, rightly or wrongly. It's that we draw lines in accordance with our own unquestioned sense of right and wrong. But we are told in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent to do just that. Did God really say... We would rather decide what is right and wrong for ourselves than trust God to tell us in his way, in his timing. The devil would have us make and draw our own lines, pitting us against one another, and then he'd like us to take up sides and fight each other for eternity. When will we learn that we don't have the wisdom to decide these things autonomously? We, the wise among us are the ones who realize that we don't know alone and that we must turn to the revelation of God's definitions of good and evil. Instead of pitting groups against one another, we should apply the revelation of God to ourselves first and only then, very carefully so that we don't fall into sin ourselves, might we apply his revelation to those around us. And if we apply it to ourselves first, we find that we are not anywhere near as inclined to apply it to others. Instead of drawing lines between genders, races, nations, and economic classes, why don't we draw the lines between right and wrong as God tells us? We don't wrestle against genders, races, nations, and economic classes, as many would have you believe, but rather against evil in high places. 
we are to love those of those classes. In fact, Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Let me just close with Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Perhaps scriptures like these are teaching us that we are haughty, lacking in the fruit of the Spirit when we draw lines in accordance with our own idea of good and evil, and that the judgment of good and evil men should be left to the great judge. That can't mean that we don't address evil in our day, certainly not, only that we allow the Lord to decide what is and isn't evil, and when and how we should oppose it. We are tempted to decide for ourselves. To judge our brothers, ourselves, even to judge ourselves, is actually beyond our pay grade. It is occupying myself with things that are too great for me. So, the proper order would be to steep ourselves in the law of God, first for our own repentance, and then for our deepened understanding of the heart of God. Then, when we inevitably find someone around us caught in transgression... Those who are mature in their spirituality should be the ones to restore him gently and carefully so that we don't fall into sin ourselves in doing it. The truth is, if we know that we have been forgiven, we are going to be far more willing to forgive others. Thanks for listening to our meditation on drawing the line. This is John Hodges the director of the Center for Western Studies. If we can ever be of service to you, if you want to talk over these kinds of questions, we'd love to chat with you. You can email me at director at centerws.com. And that's our website, too, so you can have a look around there and see some of the lectures we've given, some of the video we've done, pictures of our programs, description of our gap year program, and an opportunity to buy our RADIUS program, the first volume of which is... um, uh, on the on the relationship between faith and reason, uh, and reason including the imagination, um, you can look at that on centerws.com/radius. Uh, R A D I U S. So, thanks for listening. This is John Hodges from from the center, and we will see you again next time. Mm-hmm.